0: entitled Developing a Lifestyle of Holiness. I've preached one message so far on this, and a little time has passed, and um, we need to go further in this, but I hope and pray that the Spirit of God will bring back to you we remember what, what we have talked about. The first message that I preached was titled, Striving to Please the Master. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1 that is the basis of this whole uh, study that we're doing. Uh, and that is, therefore, having these promises beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. As a pastor and a shepherd, I have to give unto those who God has entrusted in me every bit of the Word of God that it will take for them to endure this life and to make heaven their home. And what we're preaching about tonight, and we started preaching about developing a lifestyle of holiness. too many people, too many churches over the last few years have tried to just sweep this under the rug and forget about it and forget about it's there. But it's so very important. It's I cannot overstress tonight how important it is for all of us to learn through through the grace and and the knowledge of God to develop each one of us. We each one have to learn to develop a lifestyle of holiness. In my first message, which I titled Striving to Please the Master, um, we talked about that how that we shouldn't live our lives in any kind of way that would grieve the Holy Spirit that God has given to seal us to the day of redemption. That we can grieve the Spirit of God that God has put inside us through the Holy Ghost. You can grieve that Spirit, and uh, and a whole life that we live every day. It should we should say every day when we get up, Lord, I want to please you. The song of Darlene sings sometimes, I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. I could, I could give a flip where people are satisfied with me or not. Hallelujah. Don't try to live to suit people. Because you're not going to please everybody. You do need to try to live to please God. To live your life and pleasing Him tonight. In our lesson number two, we're going to be talking about becoming a vessel of honor. Becoming a vessel of honor. Hallelujah! A minute. Um, I want you to go back in the back and get me a paper cup, and then find there's one of them glass. Glasses back there, that blue, I used to drink water out of them. See if you can find them. Now, back there in the kitchen somewhere, see if you can find them. We're going to go to Second Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verses 20 through 21. Hallelujah. For our text tonight, Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through uh, 21. This is what Paul told Timothy. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, there's that word cleanse again, from the latter we will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Let's pray. Lord, as we come tonight, we thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in our service. Thank you, God, for what you already done. And I'm asking, God, now that you will speak to us through your word, on knowing us and give us what is needful for this hour. And we'll give you the praise and the glory in the mighty blessed name that's above every name, Jesus Christ. Let the church say, Amen. And you can be... Be seated. In a great house, there's no greater house than the church of God. Thank you. The house of God is the greatest house of three is. It's greater than a white house. Somebody said, thank God. (laughs) Hallelujah. The house of God is the greatest house that there is. And in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, he's going to be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the Master, prepared for every good work. Now, it is necessary to begin this evening by saying in a clear, distinctive manner that your salvation depends solely on the work done by Christ Jesus on the cross of Calvary. I don't want you ever to be confused about that. Your salvation depends solely, solely upon the work that Jesus did at Calvary's cross. Not by any works or accomplishments which you have done. You ain't never done nothing to contribute to your salvation and you never will do anything. You may think you have, but you haven't. Jesus did it all concerning your salvation at Calvary. A lot of people don't understand that. They think it, you know, they, they do this and they do that. You need to understand that Jesus did it all. I like the, one, the old hymn that sang, the old church hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Hallelujah. He paid it all. He paid all for of my salvation. Amen. My salvation, amen, it's not by my works or by my accomplishments, nor is it by any level of righteousness that you could achieve. It's all of grace. Say that it's all of grace. And it's all by him. Hallelujah. Amen. That's that's so important for understand. If we could achieve it, if we could accomplish it, there would have there would have been no need for the cross. There would have been no need for the blood which was shed by the precious lamb of God. Amen. If you and I could contribute anything to our salvation, Jesus would not have had to die. People who believe that you're saved by works are called legalists. They think that they do their contributing and their part they play for their salvation. And they are solely wrong. The only reason why the devil to get some... Get some preachers to preach that kind of trash and garbage. is because he's trying to take some of the credit and glory away from Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's all in him, and it's all by his grace. It's no other way. Hallelujah. Now, having said that, having said that, I must also make as equally clear that the assumption by many in the religious world that the way we live has no consequences on our relationship to a holy, righteous, omnipotent God. That's where the modern Christianity has dropped off the deep edge. You can hear it in the in, in the in a lot of the contemporary songs that's played on the radio today. Our youth is, has taken, a lot of the youth within the church has taken a drastic bad turn. Because many of them, and many religious people, uh, they, they think that their lifestyle and the way that they live has no consequences on their relationship to God. Just because He saved you by grace does not mean He saved you so you could live any way you want to live. When Jesus saved you, guess what? You become a slave. You become a slave to Him. Hallelujah. Amen. He owns us. We don't own ourselves. The Bible said you are bought with a price. You are not your own. The very body you have is a tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. If this belongs to God, if this is His tabernacle, how can I come up here saying that that what I do with it uh, has no consequences with my relationship with God. Hallelujah. So this is this is very important that we understand. You see, all this stuff that people believe that the way that they live, their lifestyle and their conduct and their attitude and their actions, their speech, their dress, uh and and, and everything to do, what what When when they think that and they believe that in their heart, that is exactly what the enemy of God wants you to believe. Do you hear me tonight? That's exactly what the devil wants you to believe. If he's got you believing that the way you live has no consequences and relationship between you and God, then he's got you where he wants you. Listen to me. The greatest objective... Against every born again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan's let me let me put it let me let me back up and let me put it to Satan's greatest objective against every born again believer is to sabotage your testimony to whereas you lose your credibility with the lost world. Hallelujah. Now I'm giving you some good. Just down the earth strict teaching this evening. Hallelujah. The devil wants to sabotage your testimony. The soul where your testimony won't mean squat to people in the world. Your testimony won't mean anything to those you work with, to those you live next to in your in your community and to your to your neighborhood. Hallelujah. He wants to sabotage your testimony and for you lose your credibility with this lost world. And when you lose your credibility with the lost world, it makes it impossible for you to be the salt and light that Christ desires you to be. Hallelujah. How in the world can you be salt and light, hallelujah, if the life you live causes people not to believe that you're for real or not? Hallelujah! When you lose your credibility, where people don't have confidence in you, you just supposed to hang it all up, sister or Mister, because you are not going to win nobody to Christ, and they're going to people go to hell because of you. I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't want nobody's blood on my hands. I'm going. To, I'm, I'm going to have a, enough problem answering for Sammy Pruitt when I get to heaven. Hallelujah! Listen, I, God, I'm. Although I'm not preaching this 90 mile an hour, I'm, I'm taking my time, but I'm feeling the strong anointing through the Spirit and what, what I'm saying here. Here's the bottom line. Let me tell you the bottom line. You can't win anyone to Christ who, because of the way you speak, the way you dress, or the way you act, causes them to think down deep inside that you're just like them. If your close friends think there ain't no difference between you and them, you done lost it. You're not going to win them. You're not going to lead them to Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. That is what the devil desires to do with all of us as Christians. In other words, they can't see Jesus in you simply because of the lack of, of holiness in your life. Hallelujah. If you're not demonstrating holiness in your life, the world's not going to see Jesus through you. You we have got to de- live in a holy life, living a separated life, living a consecrated life. It's just not for my benefit, but it's for everybody who knows me. It's for everybody to come in contact with me. Hallelujah. And I know it's because of him. It's not for me. But man, I tell you, I tell you what. I thank God. And we got, we got two or three preachers that drive school buses. Runs out of Watch Creek High School, and um, and they all preaching. Everybody knows that they're preachers. And and and, they, um, and and some of them got churches. Some of them, some of them are pastors. Amen. I remember, I remember uh, you know one time, and I've told this story before, three, or four years back. Uh, some them was talking about so and so. So was a preacher. That one was a preacher, and there were there were two or uh, three of the ladies standing there. And uh, uh, when uh, when I walked in, and they says no, says here comes the real preacher right here. They're not no preacher. Why would they say that? Because one of them's out there lighting up his cigarettes, smoking right with some of them. Another one goes down here on payday, and he he buys a bunch of lottery tickets and passes lottery to my. God. Hallelujah. I'd rather be struck dead with a heart attack than doing some kind of silly crap as that. Hallelujah. And then they want to stand around and try to get somebody to believe what they say about God. Hallelujah. You can't get nobody to believe nothing you're doing if you're not living what you're saying. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, God, it's not just for preachers. The church, we've got to let everybody that we interact with, we've got to let everybody be able to look at us and not see us, but see Jesus, see His love, see His mercy, see His grace. And that means that means, if we tell the world that we're Christian, then we need to live like we're Christians. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Jesus. When you, as a believer, fail to live a consecrated holy life, you make it impossible for Christ to use you as He would like to use you in His kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. If you don't live a consecrated life and do your best to walk up right before, it's impossible for God to use you the way He wants to use you. you ought to, I'm going to tell you what you will become. If you don't live a consecrated life and devote yourself to God and to walking in holiness, And living right, you're going to become a vessel of dishonor instead of a vessel of honor in the hand of the potter. How many knows who the potter is? Not Harry. Hallelujah. It's Jesus. I want to be a vessel of honor in the potter's hand. But as I read in the Scripture... In a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but wooden, clay, some for honor, some for for dishonor. I believe that we all can relate to how you can find various kinds of vessels in the average kitchen cabinet and uh, uh, homes all over the country. And if you are like the way that we live at our house, there's everything from paper plates and paper cups to nice china. You've got vessels of honor, and you got vessels of dishonor. Most of the time, poor old pastor has to eat his supper meals on paper plates. While I'm sitting there looking over in that china cabinet, and I see that pretty nice china. That sister darling wouldn't even think about pulling it out and setting it on the table unless we had some company to entertain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to, I'm going to start to invite y'all over for supper just because I don't have to eat on paper plates sometime. Hallelujah. Oh, you'll show up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory.
1: So we all
0: got vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. In the hand... Of the potter, and Jesus is the potter. I want to talk just a little bit about vessels of honor and dishonor, or vessels of dishonor and honor. A vessel of dishonor is a vessel of less value and is expendable with no emotional attachments. A vessel of dishonor is of less value. Than a vessel of honor. When I drink from the vessel of dishonor, guess what I do? And he's throwed in the trash. But if I got one of them nice goblets out that Sister Darlene's got in the China cabinet to go along with that fine channel, Guess what would happen to pastor if pastor tried to throw one of them nice goblets in the trash? <laughs> I'd be going with it. Hallelujah. Amen. A vessel of dishonor is expendable. You hear what I'm saying? Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was a vessel of dishonor a paper cup in God's hands. A vessel of honor is a vessel of value, one that is indispensable, with emotional attachments to it. Moses, the servant of God, was a vessel of honor. Find China in God's hands. Both men, Moses and Pharaoh, were both vessels in God's hands. Some people don't realize it, but God used Pharaoh as much as he did Moses. But because Pharaoh was a man of dishonor, God used him to show his wrath and judgment. Are you following me tonight? Pharaoh was fitted for destruction, like the paper cup, while Moses was closer to God than any man who ever lived. The Bible says that he had a relationship with God greater than anybody ever lived. That's including all the New Testament men put together. He's the only man that's seen, literally seen God. He saw his backsides. He went up on the mountain and God came down on the mountain. Ain't nobody. He was so close to God that when he come off the mountain that his face was glowing and shining, just like he's been overexposed by radiation or something. And it shined so much that the people couldn't even stand to look at him, so he had to cover his face up with a veil. Ain't no man ever been that close to God and lived. He had a relationship with God. He was a vessel of dishonor. And God used him to deliver his people out of Egypt. But Pharaoh was a vessel too, but he was a vessel of dishonor, and God used him, amen, to show his mighty power and works and to destroy the land of people who for 400 years made servants and slaves out of his people. Listen to a scripture that's in the Word of God in Romans chapter 9, verses 22 and 24. What if God wanted to show his wrath and to make his power known Endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. That paper cup right there was not made to last, it was made to be used and to discard. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what this verse of Scripture here says is talking about the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy, which He had prepared beforehand for glory. Hallelujah. God wants you to be a vessel of honor and a vessel of mercy, and He has ordained it prepared beforehand that you and I and everybody in this church will shine out to the world as vessels of honor and vessels of mercy. The way that we live our lives, which includes our conduct, our character, our attitudes, and overall lifestyles, will determine the type of vessel that we're going to be in God's hands. Hallelujah. So you see, I can't really depend everything on just my salvation and what I received when I repented and I was filled with the Holy Ghost. But the way I live after God saved me and filled me with the Holy Ghost will determine what kind of vessel I become to God. My actions, my conduct it's going to it's going to determine whether I'm a, a paper cup or a piece of crystal in God's hands. Hallelujah. Now, let's talk about dying daily to self. Because this is how this all comes together. And I'm uh, I'm doing my best to uh, to go through this as quickly as possible, but man this this, this is some of the most powerful important stuff that I brought to you in a good while, and I hope that you get a hold of this. Amen. Dying daily to self. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. There's no way that you can live consecrated life to God and be an overcomer if you don't die daily. Because guess what? Everybody in here is going to mess up somewhere just about every day. Hello, somebody. We're We're not holy on our own. It's only what God makes us. So I, if I'm going to be consecrated to God where God can use me and be a vessel of honor, I've got to do my part and dine out to my flesh every day that I live. Hallelujah. The only way we can become a vessel of honor to God is to lay ourselves and follow me now. Somebody was talking tonight about how Brother Mangan, G.A. Mangan Every morning before we left the house around 6 o'clock, he prayed, literally prayed plumbed through the tabernacle. And then when he got to the church office every day, then all these other prayers that he did, um, and he, he prayed four or five hours total every day, four or five hours total every day. The only way that we can come a vessel of honor to God is to lay ourselves on the altar of sacrifice daily. If you want to know what dying daily means, that means that you're going to have to take yourself, you're going to have, to have to pretend that you've got a stone altar there, just like what Abraham had when he took his son up to offer Isaac on that mountain. And you're going to have to, in your mind and in your spirit, you're going to have to lay yourself down on that altar to crucify yourself, to make a sacrifice of your life every day of your life. If you want to be a vessel of honor of God, a a vessel that God looks to as being valuable, hallelujah. We've got to keep the old man crucified so we are always available for his use. Hallelujah. Amen. I heard the story one time of a backslidden preacher who got out doing his own thing. I don't know what his sin was. I don't know what caused him to to backslide and give up the ministry and give up the church. I don't know all those details. But this man was not living right. He knew he wasn't living right. He had become a vessel of dishonor. And no more in his life was he ever. He felt like a vessel dishonored them one day. Something happened one day that made him feel just as cheap and useless as this messed up cup. He was driving down the highway. Came upon a car accident. Thought he recognized the car but wasn't for sure because it was all mangled up. But he pulled up, he got out of his car and he walked up. And there all in a ball inside of a bunch of metal and broken glass and blood was an old friend of his that he had tried for years to get saved and to live right while he was living right himself. When that man, about half dead, opened his eyes, and he couldn't move no part of his body, he whispered out to him when he saw him, Oh, I'm so glad to see you. Preacher, please, I'm dying and I know it. Pray for me. Pray for me. And with a heart more broken than his friend's body laying in that car, he broke down in tears. And the last word his dying friend heard him say, I can't because I'm not in the place where God will heal me. I've allowed God to make me a vessel of dishonor, a paper cup the away. And because of me, my friend is dying going to hell. If you don't think what I'm talking about tonight is serious, church, then you need to wake up. Because what happened to that backslidden preacher could happen to any one of us if we failed to lay ourselves down on the altar of sacrifice every day of our life. Hallelujah. We've got to do it. We've got to keep the old man crucified. Daily, we got to die daily. we got to die out to self. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Everybody knows the scripture. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. When you look these words up, present your bodies. It's just like what I've been telling you. You offer up your whole self on a sacrificial altar to God. You offer it up to God. Years ago, I've told the story. I used to tell a lot. I haven't told it in a long time. but About the old Indian that come in and sat in a church service. They say that at the altar time, he came forward and pulled out his tomahawk and say, Lord, me give tomahawk. But he didn't feel no change, didn't feel no different. He pulled out a pocket on the side and laid down this handmade peace pipe and said, Lord, me give peace pipe. He still didn't feel nothing. No change in his life. Finally, that old engine just got up on the altar. He says, Lord, me give engine. Me give engine. And that's what God wants from every one of us. Hallelujah. we got to give ourself. He's not going to accept anything less than ourself. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We've got to offer it up unto Him tonight, church. We've got to offer up our whole self unto Him tonight. He's not going to accept nothing else. We've got to give it all unto Him. Can you say amen? We've got to give it all unto Him. Hallelujah. We have to present or to offer up to God our entire bodies, as a living sacrifice. In other words, a living sacrifice is your daily living or your manner of living. We don't offer up our bodies to kill ourselves physically because Jesus did that for us. He offered Himself literally at Calvary. So He's not requiring that. He wants you to. To give yourself a living sacrifice. And that, what that means is that your daily living or your day or your manner of living is what he wants you to offer up to him. You die unto yourself and live unto him. Do you know what, what you're doing when we do that? It is a form of personal worship. Unto God, when you offer yourself—that's the way they worship in the Old Testament times. When they offered a sacrifice, that was their worship. Today, when we offer up ourself, our body, our life, everything about us unto God as a sacrifice, it's a form of worship. I'm going to read Romans 12 and 1 one more time, in a new, newer, modern, modern translation. I think I think it'll be on the screen also. I think. Listen at Romans 12 and 1 again. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. This is your spiritual worship. Hallelujah. Becoming a vessel of honor. That's what we got to do tonight if we're going to develop a lifestyle of holiness. We got to have a desire to be a vessel that God sees value in, that he can use, that we can be salt and light to the world, that we can be a, like a city on a hill that can't be hid. Hallelujah. Amen. That's how important holiness is for the child of God. Let's stand together tonight. As we sing a chorus, if anybody needs to come and have a talk with the Lord, if you feel the Lord speaking to you, we're going to give you an opportunity to come tonight. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. It am